0: Thank you guys for coming tonight. You're in for a big treat. I tell you what, uh, I am never cease to be amazed at the growth in this young man who's going to speak tonight. He's been down at the jailhouse with us for probably over a year or two now, and the anointing is growing. And uh, this This past Sunday night we had five saved, four filled with the Holy Ghost, and three healed. And uh, he'll probably share a little bit about that, what God did through him this past Sunday night. And, and you know, you don't always get to hear if you don't go to the jailhouse with us, you don't go to youth villages, we we need to do a better job of, of telling you that the work that God is doing through this ministry. And it, you know, but at the end of the last four or five years, we've been keeping up with the amount of salvations per year. We're right around 450 to 550 salvations a year for this small church. And so we are, we are doing kingdom business. You are part of something that is doing God's work here on the earth. So when, when like Miss Becky says, you're investing in something that's, that's bringing back eternal treasure because there ain't, ain't nothing going ahead of us except the souls that we want to the kingdom of God. And uh, what did what, you say? You said you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. So in your giving and and we're 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 focused on things that we can send on ahead. That's what we need to be. We need to be eternally minded. Well, anyway, you're in for a treat tonight. If you see me slip out of here, which I'm fixing to do, I'm going to go back there and preach to the kids for a little while. I don't get that opportunity very often. It's been a while, and I'm excited about doing that. But I I don't want to miss much of this because I'm introducing tonight Mr. Nicholas Mitchell. Give him a round of applause. Thank you.
1: Good evening everybody. Welcome to the Passion Church. That was Pastor Guy Sheffield. That's going to go talk to the kids. He's normally the one preaching here. We're excited to have all of you here with us tonight. Uh, Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus Christ, I thank you so much for allowing us to be here, Lord, for allowing us to live in this country where we have the freedom to worship you. We thank you for your love coming down from heaven and reaching towards us like the words in that song we just sang. I thank you, Lord, that all the distractions in our lives and all the obstacles trying to keep us from the purpose and the life that you've intended for us, Lord, that we would overcome those through the power of your spirit and we would do the things that you desire us to do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, since Pastor started to tell you guys about the jail, I'll start there. Sunday night was amazing. That's the fastest I've ever seen this man in a sermon setting, bring people to salvation. When we walk on the streets, it only takes two or three minutes to get somebody saved. I'll tell people that all the time. They're in a hurry. I said, if you will listen to me for two minutes, I'll get you saved. I'll show you guys how easy it is right now. You walk up to somebody and say, hey, how you doing today? I'm, my name's Nick. And it weirds them out there. Why is this total stranger telling me his name? And then, believe it or not, they basically always tell me their name. I say, hey, hey I just want to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus? And I might say, do you know Jesus loves me? One man said, you mean the song? I said, no, not the song, the person. And I say, you know, Jesus loves you so much that he died for you on a cross. And he rose again three days later to eternal life so that you could have eternal life with him. And all you have to do is turn away from all the bad stuff you've been doing. You know, none of us are perfect. We've all messed up one time. We all ate a cookie when we were a kid and our dad told us not to eat a cookie, right? So we've all sinned. But you have to decide to repent and repent just means to turn away and get away from your sins and to start living for the Lord. And he's going to forgive you when you ask him for that forgiveness. And when you decide to live the right way and when you say it out loud, say, Jesus, be the boss of my life. God, I want you to be the boss. I want you to be in control of my life. That's what Lord means. And if you believe everything, and if you just said those things in your heart, and if you say it out loud, Jesus, be the boss of my life, you're saved and you're going to heaven. How long have I been up here? That was less than three minutes, right? That's all it takes to save somebody. So now you guys see how easy it is. Well, Pastor Guy did this very quickly in the jail the other night. And then he handed it over to me. During the praise and worship, I felt this intense pain in my shoulder that I've never felt in my entire life. I've never felt a pain like this. I'm 25. I'm young. I'm healthy. I've never felt a shoulder pain like that. And God was showing me that he wanted to heal somebody's shoulder that night. So I walked up there. I said, God wants to heal someone's shoulder tonight. Stand up and receive your healing. Three men stood up. So we prayed for their shoulders to be healed. I asked the first man, I said, is your shoulder healed completely? He says it feels a whole lot better than it does. I said, "Okay, we're going to pray a second time because some people would stop there. It feels a whole lot better. No, I want it to be perfect. I want to be totally healed. So I walked up to him and I put my hands on his shoulder and I said, shoulder be healed in the name of Jesus. And he says, he starts testing it. I told him to test it. He said, I feel great. I don't feel a thing. A hundred. I said, you're not just telling me this, right? You're not just saying that to make me feel good. He says, no, it's totally healed. So I asked the second person. I said, how about you? He says, it's a lot better, but it's not complete. So I told the first man, I said, your shoulder just got healed. You have faith that you can be healed? He said, yes. I said, okay, you pray for the next person's shoulder in the name of Jesus. So the first man prayed for the second person, and their shoulder got healed completely. And that was just to prove that it's not me. Just like I stood up here and I showed you guys at the very beginning how to lead someone to Christ in under three minutes, how to give them salvation. Tell them Jesus loves you. Stop doing the things you used to do and declare him that he's in charge of your life now and stop doing it your way and start doing it his way. Because let's be honest, my way didn't work out too hot. So I needed his way anyways. And then four men got filled with the Holy Ghost. And that is just getting the power of the living God inside of you. Once you're saved, that's great. I'm glad that you're saved, but God has so much more for you. He wants you to go beyond just getting to heaven. He wants you to have heaven on earth. And that's what being baptized in the Holy Ghost is, is having heaven here on earth. But how do we get to that point? A lot of us are saved in here. A lot of us are filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of us have even seen maybe healings or miracles. But why aren't we seeing it? in our everyday life? Why are we only experiencing some of these things when Pastor Guy preaches and gives an altar call? Why aren't we experiencing it in our bedrooms or in our workplaces or in Kroger? What's preventing us? Well, there's obstacles and distractions and things in our lives. See, even before the church began a 21-day fast, where we're fasting and praying at the same time, So we're trying to get closer to God. We're seeking his face out. We're praying and reading our word in the time where if you're fasting your television in that hour that you would watch TV that night, instead you're praying and you're talking to God and you're listening to God and what he wants you to do with your life instead of watching the TV. So we're getting closer to him. We're giving up the things that we desire. That's why we're fasting. Now, even before we began this fast, Brother Bill McCall on Wednesday nights, he has been taking the youth back to the basics for us to get a firm foundation rooted in the Word of God, which is the Bible, the God-inspired Word that God used men to wrote through His Holy Spirit. He used the men to write it. So we've been taking it back to the basics. So let's start in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This is one of the verses that Bill has been using on Wednesday nights. We're going to as we go on, we're going to see how all these things I brought up tie in together. It says, study this book of instruction continually. Study this book of instruction continually. There's a lot just in that first part of that verse. So this book of instruction, this Bible. Now, what what he's literally talking about here is God is talking about the law that he gave Moses and God is telling Joshua To study the law of Moses continually, okay? But to us, it implies to all 66 books of the Bible, not just the books of Moses, okay? So, and it's a book of instruction. So he's instructing us. It's not a book of old stories and fairy tales and good things to tell your kids on Sunday morning. It's a book of instruction. God is instructing us how to live our lives through this book. That second sentence, we're still in that verse. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Today, I was reading the first two chapters of Luke, and that's the story of when Jesus is born. And when you read through those first two chapters of Luke, over and over, they're very long chapters, you see Mary say that she kept those things in her heart. Every miracle that happened, every sign, every angel that spoke to somebody, every time a shepherd showed up and told the story, every time a baby got filled with the Holy Ghost at birth or even before birth, Mary kept these things in her heart. And she kept meditating on them and praying on them, just as we are instructed to do right here in Joshua 1, eight to meditate on the things of God. And then the last sentence of that verse, only then... Will you prosper and succeed in all you do? So when you meditate on it, you're not going to be able to obey the instructions if you don't know what they are. You're not going to be able to do it. See, Miss Christie here, I sat in an orientation with her and she gave me this thick booklet of more than one booklet of papers for all the instructions that I'm supposed to do at my job. All the rules that I follow as a substitute teacher. There's a lot of rules in there, and she went over it with me one time, but she let me keep the packet. If she took the packets back up, I'd be breaking rules. I probably would have cursed out a kid today, smacked him around. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have known the rules that I'm supposed to follow. But because she not only went over the packet with us in orientation and let me keep it, I understand the rules and the guidelines to follow. I understand the instructions. I can meditate them on them because I have them. In my own home. And it's the same thing. Pastor preached a sermon Sunday morning. Can anybody tell me the entire sermon that pastor preached Sunday? I might be able to tell you the main point. But I can't tell you everything that he said. Which is a good thing that, well, number one, I have the bulletin from Sunday right here. And I have my own Bible. So I have my own instruction pamphlet that I got to take home with me and meditate on and learn on all the time and the podcast, you can listen to it again. So we're going to be staying in the book of Joshua tonight. Let's turn over to chapter 3, starting in verse 8. And we're going to begin to talk about the distractions and the obstacles that keep us from meditating on this book and doing the things that we're supposed to do. In verse 8 it says, Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Now, what is the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament symbolizes the presence of God. And God was literally there in spirit as well, because the cloud was hovering over the Ark of the Covenant as it marched in front of the Israelites as they walked around the desert and as they walked into a couple battles. So the Ark of the Covenant is God's spirit. So God is speaking to Joshua and telling him to have the priest walk out into this river, this raging river. We're going to read here in a second of how it's overflowing at the time in abundance. He says, step out into this river and then it's going to stop. Let's read verse 10 through 11. Today, you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, Hivites, Parasites. parasites. I'm sorry, not parasites. I did a pastor guy there. I'm making up words. Girgashites. And I would have said that if he was still in the room. So Amorites and Jebusites ahead of you. So first, God is telling him to step out on faith onto this river. He didn't say, I'm going to part the river first. Like with Moses at the Red Sea, he raised the staff and the Red Sea parted. But here across the Jordan River, God is telling them to first take a step into it and then he's going to stop it. And when you do this, he's going to drive out your enemies. See, we have to step out on faith. There's the distractions and the one I want to use tonight is our cell phones. Because I think most everybody in here has a cell phone and it's a pretty major distraction. But when I say the word cell phone tonight, you can apply it to other things throughout your life. It doesn't have to be anything bad. It can be distractions. We're not necessarily talking about some terrible sin. I'm not accusing anybody of being caught up in a sin. But there's distractions that prevent us from getting closer to God. And one of these is our cell phone. It's been distracting me the last however long I've had it, 10 years. So he's saying when you get through this river, God is going to take out the enemies. All the things that have been trying to prevent you from getting to God's will, he's going to take care of it. Let's look at verse 11. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. And skip to verse 13. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. But see, God didn't just stop the flow of the water before the priest walked in. Number one, the Israelites had God's spirit with them. They had the Ark of the Covenant. All of us, if you're a born-again believer, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you have God's spirit with you right now. He's living inside of you. And then, the Levites first, but as we're going to find all the Israelites, all thousands and thousands and thousands of them, there's just 40,000 warriors alone we're going to read, step into this river. Thank you, Lord. So after you step into this river with God's presence, then it stopped. You see, we have distractions in our lives right now. But God didn't just say, I'm going to part the river. He didn't just say. I'm going to take your cell phone and not let it be a distraction. Or the person that's taking up too much of your time, I'm not just going to cut them off and make them stop calling you. Or whatever it is that is taking your attention. whatever's distracting you the most from God. Maybe every time you try to read your Bible, your kids start screaming. Whatever it is. God didn't say, I'm going to make the kids stop screaming. He said, read your Bible first. So once they got into this river, then... The water stopped. So we have to be obedient to walk where God is showing us to walk. And to do the things God's showing us to do with his spirit, even though our feet might get a little wet. Our shoes might get a little muddy because he's telling us to step into some water. We don't walk in water. You walk on land, right? But if God tells you to walk in water and you know his spirit is with you. And he's telling you to walk all the way across the water. You have to have faith that he's going to stop it, that he's going to make the way for you to do it. Sunday morning, pastor preached on the man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus said, do you want to be healed to him? The man was laying there every time the spring, the healing spring bubbled up. Other people would get there before him, but the man was lame. He had no one to pick him up off of his mat and put him in the healing waters. He couldn't do it. Jesus didn't say, do you want help? Do you want somebody to put you in there? Jesus said, do you want to be healed? Well, I like to think Jesus is saying, in fact, I know he's saying, do you want to change? Not only do you want to be healed, but do you want to change? See, a lot of us, we've been laying around for a long time, and that healing spring is right there. We've been laying next to this wonderful miracle. For years and years and years, all we had to do was maybe roll over a little bit and get to the spring if we couldn't walk and fall in. We're so close. We're this close to getting it. We know Jesus loves us. We know we're saved. It's right there. But Jesus doesn't say, oh, I'm going to give you that little extra boost you've been looking for. I'm going to take you to the next level. He says, do you want to change? Because whenever you take a step closer to God, He's taking 10 steps closer to you. But He's not going to do all the work. We have free will. We have to decide to do it. We have to decide to step into that river. Let's do 15 through 17 now in chapter 3. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, verse 16, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathon. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. See, this wasn't just a little stream trickling along. He said it was overflowing its banks. It was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. And this is the river that God's telling these people to walk into. If you walk into a river that's overflowing, you're not going to be able to walk through that. That looks impossible. Oh, man, you just don't understand that I'm working double overtime at both of my jobs right now. And my wife is really sick. And, you know, I got to take my son I think baseball's starting. I got to take him to baseball. My daughter has choir rehearsal. You know, I got to spend some family time. I got my friend. I got to help him. You know, he's been down on his luck. I'm letting him stay with us. All these excuses, all these distractions, all these things. And none of those things are bad. Everything I just said, I want you to do all those things. Those are wonderful things. We should have a life. We should have a flourishing family doing tons of fun activities, right? But when did that start coming before God? When did that start coming before God? Everything's overflowing. There's so much going on. It's all rushing in so fast. But I don't have time to take that next step and get closer to God. I don't have time for it. Well, guess what? That river's just going to keep rushing. If they didn't step in, that river never would have rushed. That river, let me slow down, never would have stopped. If they didn't take that first step in. God said, once their feet hit the water. Then I'm going to stop it. You have to take that step and choose to get closer to God. How do I choose to get closer to God, you may ask. Well, one I already talked about, prayer and fasting. What is prayer? It's not a wish list. It's an open two-way communication between yourself and God. God isn't some being that created the earth, gave it a good spin, and walked away. He is here with us right now. He is here in us and around us right now. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you need before you ever think it or say it. When you're about to pray and say, God, I really just need money for food tomorrow. He already knows. And guess what? God is watching the birds. The birds don't have a place to stay and they don't have McDonald's. But guess what? They always find a branch to sleep in and they always find a worm to eat. And if God cares for them, he says you and you and every single one of you in here individually are worth more than a thousand birds. You are worth more than a thousand birds. That's how much God loves you. And if he takes care of them and they don't have a place to stay. Or a four course meal laid out in front of them every day, but they never starve. How much more does he love you? More than a thousand times. Verse 17. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So that's one way is through prayer. That's one way to get closer to God and through fasting. The second way. We already talked about in Joshua 1.8, Talk about reading the Bible, meditating on it, thinking of listening to the instructions in the book. Another way is worship. You worship all the time. You worship when you work, you worship when you drive your car, you worship when you're at home, worship when you're... when I say worship doesn't mean looking at the words on the screen and putting your hands up and singing. Worship is glorifying God all the time, all the time. When Don's driving down the road, he's worshiping God. And when he stops at that gas pump to fill up, I guarantee he's worshiping God when he walks in there and greets the cashier and says, how are you doing today? Praise the Lord. What, how is God treating you today? That's worshiping all the time. It's not, this is a house of worship. This is a house of prayer. But it doesn't just stop here. It doesn't even start here. You need to pray and worship before you come in here. Please don't come in here without praying on the way. Everybody Nobody lives here, so I know you all got at least five seconds before you walk in between your house and this door because no one lives here. So you got a minimum of five seconds. You can bust out a five-second prayer. God, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for letting us come to church today, and please just let your will be done in this church service. I want everybody to pray before they come to church every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night. That's three ways, prayer, fasting, reading your Bible, four ways, worshiping. And, of course, coming to church, because we need each other to strengthen us. See, these Israelites, they crossed that river together. Tons of them crossed that river together. God told one man to step out into the water. And that one man told everybody else. And they were crazy enough to listen to him. He said, I know it looks like a storm. It's overflowing because it's harvest season. So there's plenty of rain. So all the crops in the land is getting nourished by this good water. But God told us that we need to step into it. See, that's the same like pastor. Pastor tells us where we need to go, which is really through here. Now, why did the Israelites listen to Joshua so easily? Why were they willing to step into that river? Well, I'm willing to bet they had been praying. They had been listening to God. Because as we find out later on in Joshua, their ancestors didn't do that. They were never allowed to cross the Jordan. See, a lot of these Israelites, they had been caught up in some distractions. Every time they went to read their Bible, their phone rang and they answered it. And it rang so much, they just decided to stop reading the Bible. Because they'd rather be on their phone. So God never let him cross the Jordan. He never let it happen. So why did these Israelites listen to Joshua to cross the Jordan? Because they had already been talking to God. God's presence was among them. They had already been praying and studying the law of Moses continuously. The Ten Commandments and everything that he wrote in the first few books of the Bible. They had already been studying this. And they recognized God's voice. Just as you recognize God's voice as I say these things about Scripture, everything I'm saying tonight is about Scripture, and you recognize it, and you know it to be true, and you know it to be right. Let's look at chapter 4, verse 14. No, we can't skip down that far. Verse 12. The armed warriors, chapter 4, verse 12, from the tribes of Reuben Gad... And the half tribe of Manasseh led the Israelites across the Jordan, just as Moses had directed. Verse 13. These armed men, about 40,000 strong, that's just the warriors from two tribes and a half tribe. And there's 12 tribes total. So we're just talking about a very small percentage of the warriors, 40,000 strong, were ready for battle. And the Lord was with them as they crossed over to the plains of Jericho. See, once they put down that cell phone, they got rid of that distraction. And they were willing to walk where God was telling them to walk. They were ready for battle. They were ready to go with God's spirit to the place where he was sending them. And we already read earlier in 310 that it says you will know the living God is among you. And he will surely drive out all the Canaanites, Hittites, Hisites, all those people, all your enemies, all your distractions, all your sins. When you're walking with God and you are going where he's going, to, where he's telling you to go, he's going to drive out all those distractions. He's going to drive out all those temptations. He's going to lead you to the victory. It says these 40,000 strong were ready for battle, and the Lord was with them. He was with them. But they had to choose to walk that way. They had to choose to go that way. The people before them didn't choose that. They were wandering around that wilderness for years and years and years. They were just kept getting distracted. They were getting distracted by other gods. They're sleeping with women that weren't from the tribes of Israel that had other gods and they started worshiping those gods instead of the one true God. Chapter 4 verse 14 says, That day the Lord made Joshua a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. And the rest of his life they revered him as much as they had revered Moses, when they put the distractions down, they were obedient to God to do what God was telling them to do in the midst of the turmoil and the bills piling up and the need in the job and everything that's going on that sucks all of our time out of the day in the midst of all that, they were still obedient. And when Joshua crossed that river for the rest of of his life. They revered him as much as they revered Moses. Moses, the one that they were scared to talk to because God's presence was just illuminating, radiating off of his face. So magnificently because he spoke to God directly and they honored him just as much just for being obedient enough to walk across a river. Who in here tonight is willing to put down the distractions and to get closer to God and to spend more time praying. And to spend more time reading your Bible and to spend more time worshiping God. And you're already coming to church and to come to church, continue to come to church, right? Who is willing to do this? Because God has so much more in store for you. He has so much more that he wants to do in your life. But he said, first, take that step. Take that step. You say, I've already taken that step. Take the next step. Until we die, we haven't come to that perfect completion in Christ Jesus. Take the next step. Take the next step. So then, when they're getting across the riverbed, God says, Joshua, pick a man from each tribe. There's 12 tribes. Have them go pick up a stone. and Set it up as a monument to remind everybody of the day that you cross the Jordan River. Joshua picks 12 men. Now these priests, they're still out there with the Ark of the Lord on their shoulders, standing in the middle of the river. These 12 men, they get big old stones, they put them up on their shoulders, and they bring them out. They actually build two monuments. They put one right there in the middle of the river. T- stack all 12 giant stones on top of each other. Joshua builds a second monument up on the riverbank. God said... This monument is going to be to remind all your descendants, all your children of what I've done here today. See. Let's talk about the definition of a monument. It's a record or evidence or example of something great or noble. That's what a monument is. So God's saying this wonderful thing that I've done here today I want your children to be reminded of it. And better yet, I want you to be the ones to remind people about it. Not just those children, not just the Israelite children saw those stones. Anyone that ever walked past the Jordan River saw that monument. God wants your life to be a monument. He is saying, come closer to you, my loved daughter, my loved son, that I crafted out of my own image, that I breathed my life into you. I gave you life. I love you so much. I want you to be filled with my joy all the time. I don't want you to be in this pain and this condemnation and this hurt that you're going through. I don't want you to be in this struggle and these hard times that you're faced with right now. I have more for you. I have wonderful, beautiful plans for your life. And I want you to come spend time with me and be in my presence where I provide more than you'll ever need. I'll take care of you all the time. I will bless you. I will give you your heart's desires. I will open the floodgates of heaven. I will give you everything. I let my own son die for you. There's nothing I won't do for you. There's nothing I won't give you. He's saying, come into that. And then once you come into that, once you're in my presence, once you are with me, I want your life to serve as a monument. I want your life to show your children and your coworkers how they can have a more fulfilling life, a more complete life, a whole life, an abundant life that's overflowing where they have more they, than they could want. More than they could need. But I want you to lead them through. Because those Levites didn't step out of that river until all the Israelites had made it through. God's saying, I want you to step into the storm and put down your cell phone and stop getting distracted. And then other people are going to say, hey, he's not addicted to his cell phone. He's not stuck on it when he's talking to me. He's actually looking at me in the eye. And you know what? I haven't seen him pull it out all day. And I believe I can do that, too, because I see him doing it. Follow me as I follow Christ. Chapter 5, verse 1 in Joshua. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart. And we're paralyzed with fear because of them. Because of the Israelites. When the people and the things and the forces around you see that you chose to get away from those distractions, they're going to be paralyzed with fear. When you say, you know what, God, I'm stepping out of that addiction With God's presence, I'm choosing to step out of it, even though it's a storm. It hurts so bad when I stop doing it and it just gives me this pain that I've never felt like ever before. But I'm going to choose to put it down with God's presence because he told me to step out of it. When you make that step, it gets paralyzed in fear. When you make that step to get away from that distraction, get away from that temptation, get away from even that sin. It paralyzes it with fear because it knows that you have made a decision to follow the spirit of the living God and that the spirit of the living God is with you and in you as you made this decision to get closer with him and to put the cell phone down, to put the distractions down. Chapter five, verse nine. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gil- Gilgal, which means to roll. to this day. When they chose to step out where God was telling them to step out, even though it looked impossible with their presence, God said, now I've rolled that shame away. Yeah, you've been ashamed of your past life. I'm ashamed of my past life. I was. The terrible things I did, I don't deserve to be standing here right now. But through God's forgiveness, I don't have to be ashamed of it anymore. I now use it as a monument to tell other people, this is where I was. This is where God's brought me. This is how I did it. As a monument, they see the proof. They see the evidence of God in you and his work in your life. He's delivered you from that slavery from Egypt. What does pastor always say? Egypt represents the world. So you're no longer a slave to this world. You're no longer caught up in the things of this world. You don't have to stay on your cell phone. Because you chose to step away from it. God, wiped away that shame. When the addiction's broken, that addiction's broken. Temptation is going to come back. But you are not caught in it anymore. In the name of Jesus, all addiction in this place is broken. Right now, I just prayed for everybody in here. And the Spirit is in here right now. The Spirit is always in this place, the Spirit of God. And when I just prayed for that addiction to leave, you know, nothing, no power of hell, no darkness can stand against the name of Jesus. No demon can. And in the name of Jesus, I just prayed for all addiction in this place to leave. So all of you are free right now. You might not believe. You say, Nick, I did it all day today, and I did it all day for the last 70 years. They say, you're a liar, Nick. No, I'm not. That chains of addiction are broken right now. But see, there's a catch. I didn't say you were going to be free for the rest of your life. I just said that right now you're free. See, if you decide to walk out, get in your car and drive away, and look at your cell phone again, and not stop looking at it for the rest of your night. Even though even though you're in a church service right now. You just asked that addiction to come back in. Man, there's some really cool stuff on here. I like this. And see, ooh, I can text people sitting here right now. Not pastor, though, because if his phone goes off in church, that's going to look bad. And see, when you choose to go pick up your cell phone again when you leave here, and I just prayed for you for that addiction to be gone it's going to come back seven times stronger. That's what the Bible says. It says when you cast out a demon, you invite it back in, it comes back seven times stronger, brings his buddies back with it. So next time it's going to see, well, you don't understand. I've been doing it 70 years. Well, yeah, he kept inviting back in inviting back in. That's why addiction gets stronger. Oh, I just got an email too. I'm not even making this stuff up. I've been looking at different things the whole time I've been on this phone. I'm not even trying to. We've been doing it for seven years. That's why addictions get stronger and stronger because you keep inviting back in. It keeps coming back in seven times stronger. Right now, the presence of God is in you. If you're not a born again believer, I'm about to give you an opportunity to become one. If you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, I'm about to give you the opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when the spirit of the living God is in you. Nothing else can come in. Oh, it's going to try to. Jesus got tempted. The entire time, not just the one time in the wilderness with Satan for those 40 days. It said at the end of that passage that he was tempted for the rest of his days here on this earth. You're going to keep getting tempted. I get tempted every day and I'm with God all the time. I'm praying every minute of every day. I'm praying and I'm staying in this word and I'm worshiping him. I still get tempted. It's going to happen. But you can choose to say no. And when you have that spirit in you, that addiction, that's free. I'm being serious. Everyone is still free of your addiction right now. Even though you've been thinking about it in here, thinking about it ain't the same as doing it. You speak to those thoughts, you say in the name of Jesus, those thoughts aren't allowed in my head. Only good thoughts from Jesus Christ are allowed in my head. I'm not thinking about picking up my cell phone right now. I don't have to do it. I don't have to pick up my cell phone. Chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. going to be our last scriptures tonight. The very next day, They began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land. It was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. See where I'm going with this? So God had been providing for them in the wilderness. He'd been supernaturally feeding them. Well, Moses kind of did it, right? He's like, God, they're complaining. I let them out here with no food. And then God told Moses, all right, well, I'm going to give them manna. I'm going to give them quail. I'm going to give them water. So the whole time walking around in the wilderness, this food just showed up for them. They didn't have to do anything. It was just there, they just had to follow the rules. they had to get twice as much on a Saturday, not get or twice as much on a Friday, not get any on a Saturday, and not take more than they can eat, and not keep any leftovers in the house. Those were the only rules, and they had more food than they could ever eat. but see, they weren't working for it. God was just giving it to them. but then when they crossed over that river, it says that they ate from the crops of the land, and they never saw the manna again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. So that last part of verse 12 would suggest that they continued to do so for an extended, undisclosed, undetermined amount of time, right? They ate from the crops, the land of Canaan. So see, Pastor Guy, every Sunday and Wednesday, has been giving you spiritual food. He's been giving you God's word. But now when we're at this point where we're putting down our cell phone, we're fasting, we're praying, we're worshiping, we're reading our Bible, we're coming to church. Well, those five things I just listed. That's providing for ourselves. So that man is not going to supernaturally show up anymore. Yes, we will always have our services. We'll be here at 1030 Sunday morning, but that's not what's going to sustain you. What's going to sustain you is your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your own time reading this Bible every single day, your own time praying every single hour, your own time worshiping every single day, your own decision to come to church as an extra boost for fellowship to help other people and to give back, not necessarily to get poured, but yes, to get poured into as well. What I'm commissioning, what I'm telling you to do here tonight is to put down the cell phone. And everybody remembers what the cell phone signifies. Any distraction, any hindrance, any obstacle, anything that's preventing us living to the full capacity of being the best people we could be. Put down the cell phone. Pick up the Bible. Listen to God. Talk to God. Worship him. Pray fast and come to church. This is what I'm commanding you to do here tonight. And then let your life be a monument like those 12 stones that God told Joshua to have the Israelite leaders of each tribe do it. See, he didn't just say, go throw a giant boulder out there. He had 12 stones. He wanted it to be a group effort. He wanted everybody's life to contribute to this monument, to contribute to this witness. What does monument mean? Example. To continue to contribute to this example of how we live for Christ. He wants all of us. All of the tribe leaders, we're all leaders for Christ. We are at the very beginning of the sermon. I showed you how to lead someone to Christ. Everybody here is capable of doing so. If anybody in this place tonight, that thing I said at the very beginning, if you're not a born again believer, please come forward and let us pray with you. Right now, right now, if you say if you are not sure if you died right now, would you go to heaven? If you say, I might go to heaven, I don't know where I go, I don't know what would happen, if I'm not a born-again believer, I want you to come to the front, to the altar, so we can pray with you. Also, if you want to do like her and just come pray, the altar is always open. You can come pray as well. I believe that I know almost everybody in here, and I believe that everybody is a born-again believer. Okay. Angie, will you come? um, Minister of Salvation. The next question is if you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. If anybody has not been baptized in the Holy Ghost, I want you to come forward. Will you say, I'm saved. I'm baptized with the Holy Ghost. Maybe you are. But in Acts chapter 19, Paul met some Christians. And... He asked those Christians, he said, now, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? They said, no, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And then Paul laid his hands on them just like this. Just put his hand on the shoulder. He didn't do anything weird. He didn't shove them over or spit on them. He just put his hand on their shoulder and he prayed and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? It is the power of God, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When you have received this Holy Spirit, you'll be given the gifts to prophesy and to speak in tongues. You will be able to speak for God. If you do not have the power of the living God inside of you, I would love to pray with you right now. I'd love for you to come forward because all the things we're talking about tonight. You don't have the strength to do them. You might think you're strong enough to put down your cell phone. You might think you're even strong enough to say, for five minutes, I'm going to read my Bible today. You might think you're strong enough to tell God what you need and to just say thank you for the things you've done for him. You might think you're strong enough to worship him at work. You might think you're strong enough to come to church, but you're not. You need God's power in you. You need God's strength. You you can't do all things. You can't do anything. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you do not have... I'm going to say one more time because I know not everybody in here is baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you do not have God's Holy Spirit living inside of you, please come forward so we can pray with you. That's that next step. You say, I'm saved. I'm saved. I hear this stuff you're saying about reading the Bible and praying and all this good stuff, but I mean... That's good for you. You're up there preaching. But for me, well, for you, do you want something more? You don't. I don't want you to be a preacher. You don't need to be a preacher. I want you exactly where God has you right now. I want you where you are right now. But where you are right now, I want God to be with you. How would they have got across the river if the spirit of God wasn't with them? If the spirit of God wasn't with them, they wouldn't have made it across and it says only when they made it across were their enemies scared. Were they fearful and trembling? And did they have the victory? And were they a strong army ready to go forward? But see, you've got to have God's Spirit to get to that place. You've got to have God's Spirit to make it to the next step. So I'm going to a- offer one more time. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you do not have God's Holy Spirit in you. And you. And if you're questioning, maybe I do, maybe I don't, the answer is you probably don't. If you do not have God's Holy Spirit with you, please come forward so we can pray with you. If you need prayer for anything else, the altars are always open. We're going to pray for a few more minutes. Just be in that state. If you are a believer. Regardless, just pray with me right now. Jesus, I thank you for loving us so much and for being in our hearts all the time, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to be in this country. I thank you for pouring out your spirit on us, Lord. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. You love us so much that you live in us and that you are all around us, Lord God. I thank you so much for the wonderful miracles you do around us every day. Every day we wake up, we're living in answered prayers. The church we're sitting in right now. The job we have, the car, the house, our families. Everything we do is an answered prayer, Lord. I prayed for all those things. I prayed for my transportation. I prayed for my housing. I prayed for my food even. Most of the time. Sometimes I forget. Everything I did today was an answered prayer. And I thank you, Lord. And we celebrate with you for the miracles happening around us, for people being saved right now, Lord, for people giving their life to you right now. Jesus, I thank you for these things. I thank you, Lord. There are angels throwing a party up in heaven for Sarah right now. There is a party with Sarah's name on it saying, that's my daughter. She just got saved. My daughter just chose to live with me forever. They are partying. There's angels partying for Sarah. She's the center of attention right now. That's amazing. That's the coolest thing I've heard all day. The coolest thing I've heard all day. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you for those miracles happening in our life all the time. We saw people getting filled with the Holy Ghost in the jail. And we saw people' shoulders getting healed in the jailhouse. Well, why did that happen in the jail? Was there something special? I think Pastor Guy played the same song he played tonight. I think I used... A lot of the same verses and scriptures that are in my head that I use tonight. So what? Why did it happen there? They wanted it to happen. They were hungry for it. And when we are hungry for it, no matter where we are, it'll happen right here. It did just happen right here. Somebody just got saved. It'll happen in our homes. It'll happen in our workplaces. It'll happen everywhere when we let it happen. But God's not going to just remember, stop the flow of the water. In the river of Jordan, he's going to tell us to take that step in and then he's going to stop the water. So God's not just going to start having miracles. And crazy stuff happen right in your face and watching somebody's leg get healed. You got to take that step. And then once you take that step. You say, "Okay, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to listen to you all the time. That's when that stuff is ready to start happening. When you're ready to put down the cell phone with everybody looking at you with their eyes open, and when I say come down this altar, and you're ready to come down to the altar like someone just did and gave their life to the Lord. A beautiful thing. That's when it's going to happen. It's happening for her right now. She just made that decision. She just took that step into the water, even though all the crazy storms are going on around her. She just made that decision. And now God's Spirit is with her. And God has given her the victory and her enemies are afraid and they are trembling and they are stopped in their tracks. And her life is a monument now. She is the example. She is the proof to people that God is real and God can do it in their life right now. And tonight, what I want you to leave with is for your life to be the monument. When you put down the cell phone, you show other people it's possible to put down the cell phone. They say, why did you do that? How were you able to do that? I've always seen you with a cell phone in your hands. How were you able to put it down? And you say, it's because I have God's spirit in me. And God wants his spirit to be in you, too, if you invite him in. And that's what I want all of you to do. Always be prepared with that answer. Always have the correct response for people when they ask why your life is the way it is. And tell him Jesus. And that's what I'm leaving you with here tonight. You guys have a blessed night. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word.